Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Campus Safety Voices. I'm Robin Hattersley, Editor-in-Chief of Campus Safety. The COVID pandemic has put a massive strain on everyone, and nowhere is that more apparent than in healthcare, and especially hospitals. Although practically every industry is currently experiencing labor shortages, the problem is particularly challenging in healthcare and has been an issue since the start of the pandemic. Reed Health System Chief of Police, Randy Calentis, recognized that the clinicians in his organization were overwhelmed with work and needed help. So he and his department stepped in to provide non-medical assistance to the nurses, doctors, and other medical professionals to help lighten their load. This is just one reason why Chief Calentis is a finalist in this year's Director of the Year Awards program. In our interview, Randy describes how he and his department were able to identify the areas where they could help read health systems clinicians and how this affected his department's staffing. He also gives some advice on how other healthcare facilities can address their labor shortages, as well as employee burnout and mental health challenges. So here's my interview with Chief Calentis. Enjoy the show. Be sure to subscribe to Campus Safety's YouTube channel and like or leave a comment on our videos or subscribe to our Campus Safety Voices podcast on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. So what has been the experience of the doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals in your organization during the pandemic? And what were the things that made it abundantly clear to you that they needed assistance? Okay, well, well early on in, in 2020, um, our administration and our governing board decided that, that we were going to move our security team to a police department. So a lot of things going on uh, in January and February of 2020. Um, and we, we were starting that process and then all of a sudden the COVID hit. Um, the experiences that, that, that I feel like our, our physician and clinical staff, uh, they were overwhelmed initially. I think everybody in healthcare was the, the, the COVID um, how we're going to handle this, what's the hospital going to look like. So a lot of different moving parts um, as we transitioned uh, the police department and, and then trying to, to get started on this pandemic thing. And um, so we were designing certain areas for quarantining of COVID patients, uh, where we were going to be able to put patients that, uh, that weren't COVID, but they had medical issues that we were dealing with. Um, <clears throat> So we had to we had to work to develop that as a as a team, a clinical team, um, the engineering department team, um, our security slash police department team was involved in that as well. As far as finding that space, creating the space, the barriers to get to it, um, and then how we were going to secure that and and make sure that 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 area was protected. Uh, we also moved into different aspects of the uh, clinical care. Uh, for those folks, and that was um, what kind of PPE or additional PPE were going to be required uh, for our staff uh, to protect themselves from this, uh, at that point, unknown disease and, and where it was going. Um, <clears throat> so we did that. We created the barriers and, uh, and then put up local signage. Uh, so if anybody was out and about in the facility, they would see that caution point. Uh, we also had a, a local plastics company uh, contact us uh, and wanted to get involved with helping create uh, plastic face masks. 
to help protect our team and, and maybe even um, more of a statewide thing. But uh, Primex Plastics was his local company, um, contacted us and man, they created some really cool uh, masks that, that fit over the staff's heads. Uh, they created these masks and they worked out wonderfully and they delivered them very quickly and early on in that process. So uh, <clears throat> we did that. Uh, then we started moving into, uh, as COVID ramped up, moving to tighter restrictions um, for visitors, um, even to a point where we were closing down some of our off-campus physician practices, uh, because at that point it was it was starting to get the point in in mid 2020 where um, people weren't just out and about moving around. So we were uh, canceling uh, appointments and moving things uh, to our main campus in our hospital. And that, that included staff as well. So, uh, which was a plus for us because we had a lot of clinical staff that we were able to move into the hospital to help with patient care. Uh, we also had a lot of other staff that we could move in and, and fill in and support roles with support departments. Uh, so we were kind of adding to our staffing level at the hospital, uh, which was great. Um, as we moved on into it, we, we came to a point where we started to cancel the uh, elective surgeries um, and even restricting more uh, visitor access uh, to a point where, where we actually shut down visitors uh, from coming to the facilities. Uh, but that worked out very well, too, because we had... Uh, our community relations team was involved. Uh, they were very eager and, and jumped out with all the media, local media. And, and we're trying to get that, uh, that piece out there so everybody in the community and the surrounding area understood that, that there just was no visitation. It was too risky um, to have people coming into the facility. Um, that worked out relatively well, um, but we did have some pushback, but uh, our security, um, team and uh, our police officers were able to deal with that very well. Uh, we, we started shutting down entrances and then ultimately got down to one entry point uh, into this facility. And it's a pretty large facility. Uh, but once again, the, uh, the communication piece worked out very well. And, and everybody in the community started to understand that. Um, and it, it worked what, what I would consider to be relatively smooth. Um, of course, everybody during this pandemic had issues with getting supplies, all kinds of supplies. Uh, respirators were a big issue all across the country. We all heard that. Um, but, but also the PPE supplies, the, the gowns, uh, uh, gloves and masks, and then the uh, N95 masks were kind of scarce. Um, a lot of training for staff. Uh, we had to get everybody on board, including our officers on on how to wear the uh, the N95 and get them trained, I guess, and certified in the use of that mask. Um, a giant learning curve for everybody. And it wasn't just for our facilities all across the country um, and how um, teams would, would be able to interact. Um, created visitor screening stations uh, when we did have the visitors coming in. And that screening station also started to work for staff as they were coming to work. You know, we had to get staff on board that, uh, you know, when you're coming to work, you're going to get screened. We want to see uh, what kind of temperature we have and, and uh, make sure that you're feeling well enough to come to work because uh, we didn't want you to bring anything in. Um, 
new equipment was starting to come out as well. And we've seen a lot, I've seen a lot of that across the uh, healthcare security network group, a lot of uh, self-screening things that were, were popping up. And um, here at Reed, we didn't implement any of those things. We were able uh, to continue having staffing on site to handle those things. Um, but I think all in all, we all worked hand in hand um, from clinical to environmental engineering staff, everybody uh, worked together for this huge unknown that we were all walking into. And, and for our facility here, I think it, it worked out pretty well. So how <clears throat> did your department, well, you and your department identify what your offices and other staff members could do to help? And what specific activities did they actually do to help? I, I know it was non-medical, of course, because they're not clinicians, but what did they actually do? Yep, that's a really great question. And, and our officers discovered early on uh, that the kind of the answer to that is what could we do? Uh, that became anything and everything. Uh, like you say, we're not clinical, we're not uh, medical staff, but uh, the officers, it's a great bunch of officers here and as well as other facilities. But our guys noticed early on that, uh, hey, people are needing help. You know, things are getting heavy for especially for our, our clinician staff. The, the nursing team is great here. Um, and the guys picked up on that, that, that uh, they were needing us to physically be there um, to help them move things, to help them uh, get things. Uh, our officers daily engaged with staffing on what they needed. Is there anything I can go get? Do you need me to go out somewhere and get something? That's, that's going to help your team. Um, went to the, our cafeteria often. We'd get drinks for staff. We would get food stuff for them and, and deliver it to different nursing units. Um, candy, just little things like that, you know, just to put a smile on somebody's face, you know, it, uh, uh, and it was good for us. Uh, they also had created a program here called Helping Hands, and that was more designed for non-clinical people um, where we could sign up um, to work in a department that needed assistance. Maybe they had some people that weren't able to work, so they were looking for people to fill in. So we had several officers that, that jumped in on that part and uh, filled in different departments in the hospital. Um, like I said, first on, we had officers that were preparing to go to the police academy. So we were already setting ourselves up to be kind of short in our department. Um, and as COVID hit, uh, what the police academy did is they, they shut down to the first two weeks as a virtual academy. Uh, but those officers still had to sit um, in a room and do the virtual training. So they weren't really available to us. So uh, we were automatically short, um, but we had all of our team picked up extra duty and our team picked up on parts where they could actually adjust their schedule and fit another schedule. So um, <clears throat> our team was, was very good at, at picking up on signs and, and helping others out. Um, and we still continue here uh, to have all of our, like our HR team, they were all coming to work here during this COVID thing. Um, all of our officers were coming to work. We did have a few officers during this initial period that got COVID. Um, 
thank God they were, it, it was a milder case um, and they were off for a few weeks, but we, we were able to cover their absence um, and then they returned to work, but we had a lot of staff that were, that were still coming to work. So uh, it, it, uh, it worked out around here very well. So who did you designate from your department to provide assistance? I mean, was, is there anyone specific that you, or maybe were there certain job titles that lended themselves more to helping out with the medical staff than others? Uh, we don't have that large a team. So we didn't, we didn't, uh, but we didn't have to because it was once the thing started going, um, all of our team members, even our evening shift team, uh, would make calls to us during the day and say, hey, we're, we're planning to do this tonight. Uh, we've got the coverage. We're going to be doing this. So, so, so the entire security team um, jumped in and they, they really were, were taking their own lead uh, based on the shift that they worked and, and what they were seeing as far as need. Um, officers were assigned to work at the uh, single entry point um, and that was a blessing too, because, uh, that, that allowed other staff. And I guess, how do you say it? Um, the officer in uniform, um, was, was a presence at that door. So if, if someone tried to come in, uh, maybe they shouldn't be here or didn't need to be here. Um, they were met with the officer and, and that, uh, that was a deterrent and, and, and made it much easier, uh, for that person to decide they didn't want to come in. So, <clears throat> well, and also too, I mean, I know with the hospital shutting down during COVID, I mean, in one way, you assigning officers to help with non-medical stuff for clinicians, but also the fact that you probably have to shut down a lot of the, the entrances maybe helped, you know, reduce that kind of um, burden for your officers. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, it is. And and when the officer was at that, that visitor point, there was also um, another staff person that was there that, that assisted with doing the temperature checks and so forth, because we still had an active uh, emergency department. And we actually set that up to be the, the main entry point during the, the COVID shutdown. That way, if somebody was really sick, they could still get into the facility. Uh, but at that point, they couldn't go any further uh, into the facility. Um, so... You know, that the single access point made it really nice for the hospital um, and allowed our officers, I, I suppose, a little extra time uh, to devote to staff. You know, somebody needed some help um, and just being out and about and around. So uh, that made them feel more supported as well. So it sounds to me like you did a lot of juggling during COVID. We did. We and we weren't the only ones. I know you, you probably know that as well. Medical teams were, um, yeah, it was like a circus the way we were juggling things around and and making it work uh, as a team because we we each had our own little piece of that pie, um, and without that piece, you know, it just wouldn't work as well. And uh, everybody understood that. So, what were the overall results of your staff members pitching in to help? the uh, healthcare professionals at your organization? Um, <clears throat> officers, well, they, they took notice, like I said, of staff and, and uh, maybe some, some of the teams that were struggling. Um, if they, they would see a staff person sitting somewhere by themselves. 
or maybe leaning against the wall. Um, that was their cue, and, and they really took that on themselves to, to stop and talk. Um, sometimes we'd see a visitor in the emergency department sitting and waiting, and you could just see the concern uh, on their face. And uh, we really stress that to everybody that during this pandemic, a lot of stress going on, and we need to think outside the box. We need to work outside of that box and, and try to do what we can to help people. Um, because the, the pandemic wasn't just affecting healthcare and what we were doing in here. I mean, it was affecting everybody's lives outside of work. Uh, we had staff that were working long shifts, extra shifts with very serious patients um, that they were actually putting themselves in harm's way. Um, but, but also when they got off work, you know, they couldn't just go home and get the family and go out for dinner or go to a movie. Things were shutting down. The whole, the whole country was, was closing up. So a lot of stress on a lot of people in a lot of different directions. So um, everybody was kind of focused on that as well as, as patient care. You know, if, if we don't take care of each other uh, physically and emotionally, um, then we could ourselves start to deteriorate, you know, and, and start to create or develop our own physical issues. So there was a lot going on in a lot of different moving parts. Well, any advice for other hospitals struggling with medical worker shortages in Vernon? I know that's still a big time, big time problem right now. So got any advice for them? Well, I, I think what we've, what we've done here at Reed, um, we try to, provide different things for our teams. Um, obviously, human resources is involved and our administrative staff are deeply involved in that. Um, burnout was, uh, I kind of look at burnout as every profession, every career has, has a couple points during that time span where you just feel the burnout. Um, and, I, and, and I don't think healthcare is any different, but during this pandemic, and especially over the past two years, I believe that uh, it's just been an added burn, burn and maybe increasing burnout. But um, I think burnout comes when, when you have people that the healthcare profession wasn't just exactly the fit for them. I think they're good people and they, they work hard but it just wasn't the fit for them. So uh, they move on. And um, we had some of that, uh, but they were good people. So not a big deal, but around here, we created some things during the pandemic. One was called from our behavioral services team called Code Lavender. And what that was is if, if your team was really experiencing stress and needing some, some boost and some upbeat, um, they could call a code lavender and uh, the behavioral team would, would show up to the department. They bring sacks of candy um, and they, they, they would offer up themselves to, to talk to those people, find out what's going on, what can they do to help them, give them a piece of candy uh, just to get them to stop for a minute and slow down, try to relax if they could. So that, that was a big hit. We also had our EAP teams. Um, they were out with uh, and about doing the same thing, but they also sent out emails with uh, stress relievers, things you can do daily, breathing exercise and simple things like that, just to uh, to try to relieve some of the stress of what's going on 
uh, here and, and outside of our facility. Um, we also enc encouraged uh, more usage when possible of PDO time, paid time off um, when staffing permitted. Uh, that way, you know, the stress builds up and, and somebody can take a day off, let, kick them out of here and let them relax for a bit. Um, <clears throat> Reed, Reed also provided meals uh, to the teams. And, um, and to this day, we still have um, free fountain drinks and coffee for staff. So they're doing things like that. Um, in December of 2020 and December of 2021, uh, Reed offered a, a bonus check to all essential healthcare staff, which basically is everybody that works in the hospital and for the hospital. Um, and and I, th I think if you look at that, that what a great opportunity um, to acknowledge your employees for what they're doing um, at Christmas time. You know, a little extra money at Christmas. Um, and I, that was a, a great thing that we've done here. Um, a lot of signage was created, uh, handmade signs and a lot of signs provided uh, by our, uh, our other departments. We had uh, healthcare heroes signs uh, posted everywhere, just anything we could do. Um, we also have an employee parking lot, it's a couple of them. And one day when I was coming to work, I found a bunch of young people, probably 10 year old to 15 year old people uh, with colored chalk um, on our sidewalks. And they were creating little murals and, and thank yous and things like that as uh, our employees were coming to work. Uh, things like that. Let's see, we had food truck come with uh, different types of food that would pull up out front and our employees could could go out and, and get food. We we had uh, jeans day where employees could wear jeans to work. Um, a little relaxing dress code there uh, just to try to keep them and get them going through the burnout. A uh, couple different times uh, over the COVID period, we had... Um, all of our local area emergency services folks, police departments, fire departments, ambulance services, they came on site um, later in the evening when it was dark and paraded around our facility, um, two laps around the hospital. Um, and this red lights and sirens um, and all staff knew about this. And it, it was pretty exciting, I have to admit, because uh, both times we did that, we had, um, and we've got a pretty big campus, but there were so many people that it was solid line. And we made two laps around the hospital, which uh, was was really exciting. We had some prayer vigils as well, um, and those we held in parking lot. So staff and patients that could get to the window could see these parking lots full of cars. And these are community people that just pull in to see what was going on, headlights on, um, and, and then a, a, that prayer vigil lasted for 15 to 20 minutes. But those were things that we were trying to do to, to help our staff and the patients here to get through this tough period. Um, we also provide a sign-on bonus, uh, recruitment bonuses for staff that can help us get people in, and retention bonuses as well. Um, I mentioned the helping hands piece. Uh, that's that really was a popular thing that we had. Um, annually, we look at market adjustments for 
for positions in the hospital. And uh, through the year, um, our HR department has done a couple of different market adjustments just to try to motivate, you know, and keep people moving in the right direction. Um, we also had a, what's called Cashable. And that was a program that our employees could get involved in where they could get a loan for like up to $20,000. And, and, it, and it was relatively easy for them to get that, um, which is, you know, it helps at certain times. Um, we also had our HR team and administrative staff reworked our, our uh, hiring processes and uh, HR created a, a quicker application piece and that, that provided the uh, applicant less time of, of doing the application. They could log in and create a quick app and um, actually could schedule themselves uh, for interviews. So a lot of different things um, that we've tried to do. It, it's a tough time in healthcare, uh, tough time recruiting and retention, but uh, I think you do everything you can. You pull out all the stops to try to keep people engaged and happy in their, their workplace. Chief Galantis, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Take care. Take care.